Welcome to the August 6th sermon from Clifford Baptist Church, 635 Fletcher's Level Road in Amherst. Today's scripture is from the Gospel of John, and the sermon is entitled Bread of Life, delivered today by Dr. Don Cox, revival guest speaker from the SBC of Virginia. Well, good morning. If you're turning your Bibles to John chapter 6, the Gospel of John chapter 6. John chapter 6, verse 35 in particular, and I want to thank Pastor for inviting me to be here. I'm grateful to be back among you. I have had the opportunity to preach here before, and you invited me back, and that's always a good sign. You know, they invite you once, that's nice, but then when they invite you back, they either think, well, let's give them another shot, or he did all right. My wife and I have for more than 30 years served the Lord together, but now we are empty nesters. Can, you get an, can I get an amen? We got them moved out. They're both gainfully employed, and if they boomerang back, we're about to change the locks. <laughs> I want to thank you, all kidding aside, for your support of the SBC of Virginia and our Southern Baptist missionaries and mission work all around the world. We're grateful to God for your involvement in our coalition of churches. Let's continue to pray for our multiplied efforts for missionaries that are serving, that are sharing the gospel around the world. It can truly be said of Southern Baptists that the sun never sets on our missionary work around the world. And in particular, let's pray for some of those missionaries who are serving in difficult and dangerous places, taking the gospel of Jesus. And today we have the opportunity to talk of Jesus. In fact, if you're looking for a dancing or singing. I'm a one-trick pony. I just get up and talk about Jesus. So that's what we're going to get today. And I'd be remiss if I didn't ask the Lord to give us eyes to see clearly His Word. Will you pray with me? Lord, we come before you in humility, before your Word. Thank you for always telling us the truth. Thank you for your Word that Promises not to return void. We pray that today that you would give us eyes to see what you said to us. That I might publicly proclaim, first of all to my own heart, but to all of us that are here. To proclaim what you've already said to us. And Lord, help us to know how it applies to our lives. That we might take our hands and feet and obey the truth that you give us, thank you for always telling us the truth. And thank you for Jesus, who is the very epitome of the goodness of God. Guide us in your word, we pray in Jesus' mighty name. And all of God's people said, Amen. John chapter 6, verse 35 says, very simply, I am the bread of life. He who comes to me shall never hunger and he who believes on me shall never thirst. Revival. To revive, according to Webster's dictionary, means to bring back to life, to consciousness, to resuscitate, to give new strength to. Do you need a resuscitation? Do you need a reviving? Let me give you a test to consider. Is there anything about you that could be described as the supernatural life lived out in your walk? 
Can people look at you and see that you are different because Jesus and His Holy Spirit resides within you? John's gospel is important for us to understand that because John's gospel, according to his own words, comes with a purpose. John tells us in John chapter 20, verses 30 and 31, that Jesus did many other signs in the presence of his disciples, which are not written in this book, but these are written that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that believing you may have life in his name. John writes with a purpose. John states this purpose clearly. He wants them to understand, and I want you to understand that Jesus is God, and believing in Him will give you life. Here he does it by connecting Jesus to the Old Testament. You see, John records seven statements that Jesus makes that all begin beginning with the Word, I am. Each of these proclamations furthers our understanding of Jesus' ministry in the world and link Jesus to the Old Testament revelation of God. Because you'll remember when God was setting his people free, Moses, the reluctant leader, said, But God, who do I tell them who you are? And God says, Tell them, I am has sent you. Yahweh, God. God's name, Yahweh. So whenever Jesus makes an I am statement, he's identifying himself as God unmistakably. And he's claiming the attributes of deity. Here we have where Jesus says, I am the bread of life. But he also says it in John 8, 12 where he says, I am the light of the world. John 10, 7, he says, I am the door. John 10, 14, he says, I am the good shepherd. John eleven twenty five. 25, he says, I am the resurrection and the life. John 14, 6, he says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. John 15, 1, I am the true vine. Here Jesus says, very simply, I am the bread of life. He who comes to me shall never hunger, and he that believes on me shall never thirst. You see, Jesus here is telling us about eternal life using the metaphor of food, of digestion. He is teaching us that the faithful life is easy to understand. It is, he illustrates it by using the picture of digestion. What Jesus is saying, he's saying, I have a life that is brought in. It is received and it's integrated into you. You see, in digestion, you take in food, you take it within your body, it's transformed and it turns into energy, it transforms you. This morning in Salem, Virginia, I got another illustration of that transformation when I and my bride, we got in our automobile and I sat down in that driver's seat and I pushed the little button. You all thought I walked here, but I did not. Didn't take my horse. I took a car with lots of horses under the hood. I pressed that button. And as I began to drive in this direction, an amazing thing took place. There's a tank within that car that has gasoline in it. And the gasoline cycles through the engine. It's transformed. And it helps you to move in your car. Now, I don't completely understand how that works. But I'm glad that it does. Jesus says the faithful life, the true life, is when we take in Jesus in faith and it transforms us. 
I'm not sure about you, but has Jesus transformed you? Following Jesus means taking him in, and he changes everything. Jesus is saying here, eternal life is rooted in this, the fact that he is the bread of life. Three simple questions from this verse. What is the bread of life? Where is it? And how do you get this bread of life? What is it? Where is it? And how do you get this bread of life? Number one, what is the bread of life? Jesus says here in this verse that this bread is not merely for your survival. You see, Jesus is talking here about a quality of life. It's important for you to see that in the original wording that John uses, he's talking about the quality of life. Now, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to go geek on you here in a moment and talk about the Greek language, but I'm not doing that to impress you. I want you to clearly see what God is saying in His Word. It's, it's kind of like the idea. A few weeks ago, my wife and I were invited to our neighbor's house across the street, and we walked in the house. His birthday party was taking place. And on the wall was a 74-inch high-definition television. Now, when I was growing up, we had a little 12-inch black-and-white TV, and we were happy to have it. You with me? But it's totally different when you get a 70-inch television. In fact, there was a baseball game going on, and I could see every pimple on the preacher's face. It's one thing to see in black and white. It's another to see in high definition. I want you to understand what, what God is saying in high definition here because Jesus says He doesn't just come to give the bread of survival. He's talking about abundant Life, real life, eternal life. Now, in the English language, we use one word, and we may mean a couple different things by it, but not in the original language of the New Testament. Let me illustrate to you this way. A buddy of mine who travels quite a bit because of uh, his accumulated mileage on the airlines, he got to take his son on a trip, and they sat in first class, and as they sit down, the Flight attendant comes by and says to his young son, he was about nine years old at the time, he said to him, would you like something to drink? Something to eat? And his son said, really? He said, yeah, you can have as much soda and as much snack as you want. He thought to himself, wow, that's pretty awesome, Dad. And as he leaned back his seat, as the plane had taken off, he leaned back his seat. He had a soda in one hand, snacks in the other. And you know what he said? This, this is the life. That's what Jesus is saying right here. He's saying this is the life. This is not just mere survival. It's not just mere existence. This is the abundant Life. In English, we might use one word to have two different meanings, but in Greek, they have two different words. One, bios, which means of existence, survival, or zoe, which means abundance, and that's what he's speaking of here. Jesus is saying that he offers to us the kind of life that is overflowing. It is effervescent. It is Real life. It is the fulfilling life. It is the radical life. It is the abundant life. Elsewhere in John 10, 10, Jesus says, this, says it this way. I have come that you may have life and that more abundantly. 
Jesus is talking about meaning, purpose, joy, exhilaration, fulfillment. Jesus here is using bread to explain not physical life, but abundant life. By the way, it is the life that you've always wanted. You just might not have realized that Jesus is the source of that kind of life. You see, there is, according to Scripture, a means of eternal existence. That's a place called hell, by the way. But instead, Jesus offers not mere eternal existence, but eternal life. The full life that God intended. According to the Bible, there's only two places to live. A place of eternal existence or a place of eternal life. The eternal life is the life filled with joy and peace and happiness. The bread of life is that which gives meaning and purpose to life. And if you're a careful Bible reader, you will notice that Jesus talks here about hungering and thirsting. You know what that refers us back to? Back to Matthew chapter 5, verse 6, where he says, Blessed are they who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. Jesus is here capitalizing on that by saying... I am the source of that. I am the source of true righteousness. He is our answer that we, that we all have to be right with God and to be right with one another. Jesus is the answer to our thirst for our desire to be right with God and with one another. Jesus is the path of true righteousness. True righteousness is the full life of joy and peace and happiness. That's what Jesus is referring to here. A careful Bible reader also will notice that Jesus says he is the bread of life right on the heels of feeding a whole bunch of folks with a little boy's lunch pail. You know what Jesus is saying? I'm much more than a miracle. I'm much more than filling your belly. I'm much more than the manna to which they were referred to. You'll notice in verses 25 to 27 where the people are following him because they had their bellies full. And Jesus rebukes them and says, the reason you're here is not because of the miracle. It's because you had your bellies filled and you wanted some more. It's almost like they were saying, hey, I wonder if he'll do it again. And Jesus says, I'm much more than that. I'm much more than your hunger. I'm much more than your thirst. I'm much more than the manna that you read about. I'm much more than the Moses who gave it to you. In fact, he tells them it's not Moses who gave it to them. God is the one who gave it to them. But verse 27, he gives us a caution. And he says, don't work for the kind of food that perishes. Don't work for those things that will pass away. In other words, focusing not merely on existing, but focus instead on the real, abundant, eternal life. The bread of life is that. See, Jesus is here pointing out that we all have a choice how to seek fulfillment. And he warns us, don't work to fulfill yourself with food that perishes. You know, I told that story about the true story, by the way, about the little boy on the airplane. And we kind of laughed because this little boy was 
thinking this is the life because he could have all the soda and snacks that he wanted. We laugh at that, but don't you think God might laugh at us about what we find fulfillment in? How we fall so far short of what could be possible for ourselves because we work for food that perishes. We work for things that are counterfeit, that pass away, that exhaust us. In fact, there are lots of examples in our lives, counterfeit sources of fulfillment that people try. Over in Ephesians chapter 5, verse 18, it says, Do not be drunk with wine, but instead be filled with the Spirit. It's a great illustration of what Jesus is talking about here. Don't fulfill your life with something that merely passes away. You see, alcohol can be a drink or it can be a way to seek fulfillment. Some people take alcohol to get boldness, but it will let you down. To loosen up or to to get joy. Sometimes people use alcohol to get confidence. Sometimes they use alcohol to deal with a meaningless feeling of their lives. But what can happen is you can end up with a drinking problem. See, the problem ultimately is not just the addiction. It's the fact that you're seeking fulfillment in what only Jesus can truly give you. But drink is only one way that we do that. It's only one counterfeit seeking of fulfillment that we have. Sometimes people seek fulfillment in a career. But I'm here to tell you, it will come and go quickly. Some people seek fulfillment in possessions, which will give you a false sense of fulfillment. Sometimes people use their family as a way to seek fulfillment. Sometimes people seek fulfillment in needing to control situations and people. Sometimes people use drugs for fulfillment, both legal and illegal. Sometimes people seek illicit relationships as a way to seek fulfillment. Sometimes people seek fulfillment in identifying a different identity apart from how God has made them and apart from normal ethics. But Jesus says all these things apart from Christ will pass away. They will exhaust you. They will wear you out. In fact, Ephesians 5.18 literally means that it will lead to exhaustion. You see, if you seek fulfillment in these things, you'll need more and more of it to get that feeling. It will all ultimately turn to dust. You see, Jesus doesn't say, find whatever fulfilling life you want, whatever two consenting adults agree to. That is not what Jesus says. He says, true life, eternal life, fulfilling life, abundant life is found in Him alone. Follow Jesus and get the full life that He offers. What is this bread of life? It is a quality of life. It is the abundant life, and Jesus gives it. Secondly, where is this bread of life? They ask Jesus this very question, and He replies to them, beginning in verse 32. He says, Truly, I say to you, Moses gave you not bread from heaven, but my Father gave you the true bread from heaven. For the bread of God is he that comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. And they said to him, can you give us this bread? And Jesus says, I am the bread of life. Where is this bread? The bread comes down from heaven. 
Then verse 35, Jesus clarifies, I am that bread. You see, the bread of life is a person. It's Jesus. True, fulfilling life that God offers is found in Jesus Christ alone. The Christian faith is trust in a person. It's not about a set of ideals or morals. Now, Christianity will affect your ideals and your morals, but it's primarily about Jesus. A friend of mine put it this way, the gospel is good news, not just good advice. Now, I told you, my wife and I are now empty nesters. If I'd have known it was this good, I'd have shipped my boys off to the boys' home a long time ago. (laughs) But some people, when they're empty nesters, that's when many marriages die. Because when a marriage becomes merely a business relationship, it's already dead. When you consider marriage, you have to ask. Do they truly understand one another? Do they have a deep exchange of thoughts and feelings? Do they exchange affection and commitment? Do they spend time with one another just to be with one another? Are they there for one another when there's a problem? Do they know how to support each other and bear each other's burdens? Do they give one another priority? Are they willing to rearrange their lives for the other person? Are they willing... To change for the other person. Are they willing to help the other change and grow as a person? You see, marriage, it's an exchange of affection, attention, information, willingness to adjust and to grow. By the way, according to the Bible, that's a description of the Christian life. According to the Bible, Jesus is the groom and we are his bride, the children of God. That's what the scripture says. Let me ask you, do you have a personal relationship with God? See, every Christian I know has admitted to me before they became a Christian, they either had no relationship with God at all or it was merely a business relationship. Let me ask you, do you find yourself constant, do you find Jesus constantly teaching you new things? Can you tell me something new that he taught you this month? Do you feel his love shed abroad in your heart? Do you get together with him just to get together? Does he constantly reaffirm his love for you and you to him? In hard times, does he give you peace? Can you feel him supporting you? Does he communicate with you? Are you willing to rearrange your life to show him that he is the priority? Because, by the way, he certainly rearranged his life to show you his priority. You see, if you look at your relationship with God like a business relationship, I love you, but you are not a Christian. Are you a Christian? And if you answer, I'm trying, no, you're not. If you make demands of God, you are not a Christian. If you view God as having to do His part and you'll do your part in the end, you're not a Christian. If you view serving God like it's a duty for you rather than a joy, you are not a Christian. Are you a Christian? Well, you know, I joined a church. That doesn't mean you're a Christian because I can go... Stand in my garage, it doesn't make me a car. 
I don't care if you grew up in a Christian home. It's a personal relationship with God that's needed. You see, you can't be right with God based on your parents' relationship with God or your grandparents' relationship with God or your pastor's relationship with God. Hear me well. Jesus came to be bread, not just give bread. Jesus came not to be useful. He came to be precious. Eternal life is not a set of rules or some kind of mystical experience. It's all about Jesus. The bread of life is Him who came down from heaven. That's what it says right here. You see, Jesus is not just a great teacher or a moral example. He literally was broken for you. You know bread does you no good if you put it in the oven and it comes out and it smells wonderful and you just stare at it. Well, it smells good. It looks good. Bread has to be broken by the way Jesus was broken for you. You see, you took what didn't belong to you, your life. And you many times seek fulfillment apart from your creator. But you don't belong to yourself. Jesus has paid the price of ownership of you. But don't worry. Fret not. Jesus was broken that you might be restored. Jesus was crucified and rose again that you might have hope. That you might have joy. That you might be forgiven for taking that which didn't belong to you. Your own life. The Bible says by his stripes we are healed. Where is the bread of life? Jesus is the bread of life. But there's only one way to come to him. You see if you come saying I'm hurting. He'll make me feel better. That's no good. I'm sad and he makes me happy. That's no good. Instead, Lord, I see I'm a rebel, and you were broken in my place. I give myself to you. Then and only then can he become for you the true life of fulfillment. It's not just what he can give you. It's him. You see, Jesus came to be bread, not just give bread. Jesus came to, not to be useful, but to be precious. You see, there was once a little girl and her Daddy, they used to play in the afternoons when school was over. Daddy loved that time. It was precious to him until one day he came home from work and his daughter was in her room with the door closed. He knocked on the door. Daddy, I'm busy right now. I I can't. And he went away disappointed. The next day it was repeated. He saw that his daughter was in her room and he knocked on the door. Sorry, Daddy, I'm busy. This continued several more days until he stopped knocking. And One day when he came home from work, his daughter was waiting for him and she had something hidden behind her back. He says, hi, honey. She said, Daddy, you probably wonder why I didn't come out and play with you. I wanted you to know I learned how to knit and I knit you a sweater. And she presented it to him and he said, thank you, honey. I really appreciate this. You work so hard, it's beautiful. But I want you to know that although I love this sweater, what I always really, really wanted was you. Some of you Work and toil as if God 
desires only for you to work for Him when really what He wants is you. It's not what you can do for Him. It's Him. Jesus gives us this quality of life. Jesus is this bread of life Himself. And thirdly, how do I get this bread of life? Well, I'm glad you asked because they asked the same question. Verse 28. What must we do to get this bread of life? And Jesus said, the work of God is this. Receive the one whom God has sent. If you want to receive the bread of life, you have to see that you can't work to receive it. The one work that will earn the bread of life is to see that you can't work to receive the bread of life. You have to receive it. You have to believe in it. You have to come to Him and believe in Him. That's what He says. The one work that will get you the bread of life is to know that you can't work to get it. Verse 35, what does He say? Come to Me and believe on Me. You see, come to Jesus means you need to leave yourself. Not church attendance, not good works. It's merely coming to Him. And secondly, to believe on Him. It means to trust in Him. Think of the process that you went through this very morning. You expressed faith and trust this morning. You may not realize it, but I watched you. That's right, the guest preacher watches the people as they come in. He watches the ones who take one look and head out the back door. Hey, I get it. I've heard me before. I get it. But you know that you expressed faith this morning because all of you walked in after greeting your friends. You sat down in that seat that you're occupying right now. I didn't see anybody inspect that chair to make sure it would hold you. I didn't see anybody look for the seal of approval on it to prove that it would hold you up. I didn't see anybody look around and wonder, well, I wonder if it'll really hold me up. You know what you did? You just merely let yourself trust that seat and you sat down. That's exactly what is required to come to Jesus, to trust Him. You see, ultimately... Jesus wants us to abide with Him. John 15 tells us later that He wants to abide in us. And the way that we abide is we abide in Him. We seek Him in prayer. Elsewhere, we're told that His Word will guide us in life. And we are to feed on it. Matthew 4.4, mankind does not live on bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. Elsewhere in John's Gospel, in chapter 4, verse 34, obedience to God is pointed out to us as vitally important. That's what it means to come to Him and believe in Him. It means you have a relationship with Him in prayer. You turn your attention to His Word that it may guide you. And you obey what God tells you. Do you need a resuscitation? Do you need a reviving? Let me ask you again, is there anything... In you that could be described as the supernatural life in you. Because if you do, then that is the bread of life empowering and transforming your life. Let me ask you. Have you made Jesus the bread of life in your life? 
Have you embraced that abundant life, that fulfilling life, that overflowing life that He offers? Have you realized that He is the source of it? And have you come to Him and believed in Him? Because today will be a wonderful day for you to do exactly that. Will you pray with me? Great God of heaven, how incredible to think that you, creator and maker of the universe, that you would think of us, that you would know us so intimately and what we need, and ultimately we know that our ultimate need is is Jesus. And I pray today for those within the sound of my voice, those that are watching, Lord, That you'd help them to understand that Jesus offers abundant and full life. But we must come to Him. We must leave ourselves. We must leave behind other counterfeit means of fulfillment and seek true fulfillment in Jesus. And that by believing in His name that we would have that kind of life. Believing in His name transforms everything. Transforms our perspective, it transforms our priorities, transforms everything. And I pray today that you'd pour out some reviving in this place. That you'd call to yourself those who need to be saved, who need to come to faith and trust in Jesus, who've heard about Jesus but yet have not made him the master of their life I pray for those others Lord who have come to Jesus in faith but oh how prone to wander we all are I pray that you call them back home call them back home Lord to the goodness and glory of God Pray for those of us in this room who walk with you, who have a relationship with you, and you're the master and Lord of their life and and have not drifted away. But Lord, sometimes we're silent when we have opportunity to testify of you, to say that Jesus is the source of my life. I'm not just a good person. It's Jesus who is good and who transforms me. Lord, give us courage and boldness. Testify of you in our schools and in our work and in our neighborhood and in our family, Lord. We live like we walk with you because Jesus, He is the bread of life. It's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. Clifford Baptist Church invites you to join us for worship every Sunday morning at 11 a.m. For more information about our church, please call our church office at 434-946-0555.